Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. I feel everything's off. So anyways, how are you guys? Why do I feel like Noah's about to pitch us a timeshare? It does sound that way. (laughs) Let me tell you about Orlando, Florida. <laughs> Here at Bonnet Bay, we have 17 restaurants oh, and a Christ. waiting pool. Sat through one of those things once. Jesus Christ. My parents own a timeshare, and every time you stay at the timeshare, they try to make you go to another timeshare meeting. <laughs> and, and you want to be like, you've already got all of our money. It's like, we're here. We're here yeah. already. What else do you want? You're telling me you don't collect timeshares? What? No. They try, to, they try to get you to upgrade every single time. They're like, you should buy more points. And it's like, we've got a shit ton of points. We don't need more points. It's a timeshare. If we have more points, it's just ours. <laughs> like, <laughs> Not so much a timeshare. It's just a house that I've bought. Yeah. Although I will be honest, the uh, so their timeshare is through Wyndham, and the Wyndham that's by Disney World is called Bonnet Creek, and it's fucking dope. Okay. All right. End of story. I just want some. <laughs> it's fucking dope. All right. So, no, what'd you think of all these DC announcements today? Uh, I, they're weird. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm into all the new stuff that they announced, but the fact that they're just trying to shoulder shrug the fact that they're like, okay, well, you know, we need to reset the continuity and make sure everything's happening in the same universe. By the way, we're still putting out all these other movies <laughs> yeah, I... that are part of the previous shit. And it's like, but why? Well, they're still going to put it out. Until they grow a set of balls, cut it all off, wait two years, and start from scratch. It's never going to work. Yeah, I was I was going to say that my problem is I know they're trying to use the uh, the Flash movie to reset continuity, mm-hmm. but that literally means the first movie of their new phase of stuff is fucking Ezra fucking Miller that everyone hates. <laughs> Unless they pull the trick that we talked about where they just replace him in the last scene. I, I think it would be even funnier if they replace him at the beginning of the movie, like that they've secretly reshot the entire thing with another actor. 
See, the thing is, no matter what they do, it, the best case scenario is that they successfully reset their universe. A bunch of a bunch of it's fascinating, like the idea that they're kicking things off with. So, a new Superman movie—that's fine. That's kind of, I think that was expected. Everybody knew a Superman movie yeah. was coming. I have so, no idea. I have no idea what the fuck just happened. That was weird. My Glad computer, back, my computer, literally shut down. And I, I'm like, why the fuck did it do that? Not even restarted. Like literally, just shut down. Huh. So I hit. So I hit the button. The login screen came on, and it just logged me right in with everything open. Like I had just left it. It's bizarre. I have no clue what the fuck just happened. So, Brian, I'm, I'm assuming you probably recognize the name better than Doug, but uh, how surprising is it that it sounds like the tentpole of this first phase of new DC movies is going to be the authority? Uh, super excited. I don't know why they're going with that, but I'm, I mean, uh, yeah. I'm on board because I want to see it. I mean, comic book fans will be in for it, but nobody knows who the fuck that is. Nobody knows who it is, and the authority is so goddamn violent that it's almost a parody of superhero comics. It's almost supposed to be like the boys violent. So I have no clue like why this is what they're going with. Well, maybe yeah. they they need to differentiate DC stuff from Marvel stuff and a good way to do that is just go fuck it. We're leaning into Peacemaker. I guess. But then I just read right before we started that apparently the plan is to have the first Superman movie be PG-13. Which ultimately is not a surprise. But like why are you going that route if you have the authority flying around? I don't maybe maybe they're just trying to mix it up. I mean, and then they said they're bringing back Batman, but they're bringing back Batman in the Brave and the Bold with Damian Wayne right away. Yeah, right. I don't I don't I don't know. At which I don't I don't I'm not necessarily against that. Is there a risk that, though, if they're bringing in batman at that level are they running into the same problem they had last time which is that they're trying to start the universe with an established universe in place does that make sense yeah so they're going to do a new batman it'll be a whole new batman but we'll have no backstory for him and then they're expecting us to okay he's just he's on his like third robin and we're just supposed to accept that we're not going to tell you that this is like kind of what happened with the snack Well, Snyderverse, right? Like is that they started with tried to jump in and rely on the goodwill that we have towards those characters to tell stories that weren't ready to be told yet. Technically he would be the fourth Robin, which then if you want to get into real semantics, he's probably like the sixth Robin. Even still your point stands. I suspect he'll be the third Robin for the purposes of this universe. Because there's, he's the third one that people know about. I don't know. Tim Drake getting the shaft again. He always seems to get the shaft when it comes to Robin stuff for some reason. It's fine. Oh yeah, yeah, you fucking creature commandos. 
I forgot they brought it. <laughs> which, which once again, I'm so, I'm so fucking down with creature commandos. And the fact that he pretty much let in with the fact that he goes, well, it's going to be animated, but we're casting people that we would want to play them in live action so that we can bring them over into live action. And I was like, that makes me so horny. Stop being excited for this DC stuff. Stop being excited for it. I'd wager money that half of what he, half of what James Gunn announced today is not going to happen. These are the same people that, that have like what? This is what their third try. The, the people in charge are still the people in charge. And they're going to fuck it all up. Although the, the difference this time is they hired somebody that clearly likes superheroes. Mm-hmm. In, instead of hiring a bunch of people that fucking hate superheroes to make superhero movies. No, yes, they've got better people, better creatives involved. There's no denying that. But the minute the first thing goes wrong or the marketing department realizes that they're having trouble selling toys because of the fucking ratings or whatever, they're going to screw it all up. Don't put faith in this. Don't do it. I don't, I don't have faith in them, but I, I do have some confidence in James Gunn. So. Sure. Let's, Realis- let's, realistically. let's call it tempered enthusiasm. <laughs> Realistically, it seems like James Gunn just announced a bunch of shit that James Gunn would want to see, which yeah. I'm perfectly on board for. But again, what if it what if people, it turns out what if it turns out he didn't even have permission to do that? He basically just went and made a bunch of announcements to force their hand. He's like, "Yeah, now we're making Creature Commandos, so fuck you." <laughs> yeah, I feel like people at home are gonna have no clue what the fuck is going on. No. Well, and that's going to be part of the problem, right? They're going to put budgets into these things thinking that, you know, well, hey, he's James Gunn. He nobody knew who Guardians of the Galaxy were. And look what he did with that franchise. But that franchise was part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And all this other stuff is going to be early on. They're not going to have that base to rely on. Right. I just there's a slight chance that I get a live action Frankenstein agent of shade. (laughs) (laughs) Movie. <laughs> <laughs> I still think DC needs to stop trying to compete with Marvel on the cinematic universe stuff and just make standalone films. They'd be way better off. I kind of, I kind of actually really like the idea of them blending the live action stuff and the animated stuff together into a single universe. So if they want to make a production that would be too expensive to do in live action. They can just do it as an animated. Yeah. The problem I have with that is that they're going to screw up their animated universe, which is the best thing they have going. I suppose maybe, I don't know. Swamp thing, swamp things coming. (laughs) Remember when they had a good swamp thing show and they fucked that up. Oh yeah. We'll see. We'll see how this all goes. Yeah, I was going to say, you know what the worst thing is, is they made this announcement, got us all excited, and we still have to wade through four fucking movies that were already in production that were going to blow from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what a terror. It's just, I mean, it's like they're sabotaging themselves. Yeah. Yes, they are. Because when fucking when this shitty Flash movie comes out and it sucks, everyone's going to blame James Gunn. 
Well, oh, look, see, it's no better under him. Look, just because a movie is being produced and is going to be finished doesn't automatically mean they're going to release it. We know that part. So they might very well just have a whole bunch of movies sitting on a shelf somewhere. It's shelf in the DC offices with tax shelter written on it. And they just start <laughs> piling the reels <laughs> on there. <laughs> Uh, do you know what it's like to be a superhero, Doug? No. Well, if you watch Hardcore Henry, you get a pretty good idea from a first-person point of view what it's like to be a superhero. No, you don't. You learn what it's like but, to be a video game uh, character. Apparently, the, what it's like to be a is superhero fun. is just a fucking shaky cam. <laughs> All right. Well, because of that, Noah, why don't you tell us about Hardcore Henry? It's just, it's, it's just, so, have you guys ever played a video game? that's got one of those opening tutorials that's mostly a cinematic and it goes way too long and it just pisses you off. Cause all you want to do is play the fucking game. <laughs> this is that for two fucking hours. It's an hour and a half, but okay. Don't love to fun. exaggerate the lengths of movies. That's his like, that's what he brings to the podcast is <laughs> anger and <laughs> yeah, exaggerating the length of movies. So that's, it's a movie. A guy wakes up. He's, he's, dead and he has no memories and he can't talk and his wife is putting him back together and then his wife gets abducted by an evil supervillain with mind powers that are never explained or talked about mm -hmm. uh, and then he goes on a wanton thing throughout the course we find out that there are other super soldiers being built and then of course the big reveal at the end is that basically his actions are being used as the memories for these other people and that it wasn't his wife it's the bad guy's girlfriend and this is to give super soldiers motivation i guess which is kind of the the same plot as a <laughs> bloodshot with vin diesel which is pretty funny <laughs> uh yeah and and other than that it's a bunch of shaky cam bullshit and and just it's an excuse to go from one action scene to another action scene with no rhyme or reason or character development or plot. It's just fucking dumb. Yeah, when you compared it to a video game, it's a PlayStation 2 video game where you have an action sequence and then you have a cut scene where a character shows up and explains to you what your next task is. And then you go back and do another action sequence. Then a character shows back up and tells you what the next task is. And then you go do that at the end I, to fight the big bad guy. I very literally at the beginning, whenever they tell him that they're going to give him his voice and they put him in that helmet with the green screen on it. I was like, so help me God, if they explain to him a HUD and that HUD pops up the rest of this movie, I'm not watching it. <laughs> uh, so I thought it was going to be more like RoboCop. I thought they're going to make him look at a pen. Try targeting and shut off again for a little bit. Yeah, I wish this movie was more like Robocop. Well, to be fair, I wish every movie was more like Robocop. I, like I kind of just Cop wish I had just not watched this and watched Robocop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like spoiler alert on what I thought of this movie, but if if we weren't recording this, I would not have finished it. 
Um, <laughs> and not and like I don't mean wouldn't have finished it. I mean wouldn't have made it past the first probably fifteen minutes. There's a scene where he gets on a bus. That's where I would have shut it off because buses are shaky and it's filmed with like a GoPro or something. And so when the bus is bumpy, your whole TV screen is shaking like that. And I'm like, how am I getting a headache from the only non-action sequence so far that's happened in the movie? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty much in the same place. It's, it's all the bad things about a found footage movie without the illusion of reality, which is the only advantage to a found footage movie. I, I don't know, because the, the movie, the big thing it's got going for it is is these big berserk action scenes. And we all know I can enjoy a really dumb action movie with no plot. But those action scenes are absolutely fucking destroyed by the first person camera shaking around. So you can't tell what the fuck is going on half the time. Yeah, I, I didn't think there was anything special about the action sequences. And the problem is the movie doesn't have anything else to offer. Like their whole the gimmick of we're going to shoot this first person is it. That's all they have. They're making it look like a first person shooter video game, which were probably popular at the time that the budget got greenlit. And there's really nothing else to this movie. Like at the very, very end, there's some good like body horror when he has to pull that like battery pack out of the one guy and put it in himself. And then he tears the guy's head off and throws it onto a helicopter and stuff like that. But that's like right at the very end when stuff like that happens throughout most of the movie. It's just, there's nothing there to, to interest me whatsoever. And I'm getting a headache to the point where I started like looking at other screens on purpose so that I wouldn't be looking at this screen anymore because it was making me feel ill. And I've never had that in a movie before. Like I've never had that problem with found footage horror or anything like that. It's the first time I've ever experienced that. Now I know what other people are complaining about. So what about you, Brian? You're the only one that sounds like you don't think this movie's. Uh, this is probably the favorite movie I've watched this year. I absolutely loved it. Really? No, not really. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I was, I was, I was kind of going with it. I was enjoying it. If anything else, just from like a sheer, like, man, they really did it. Huh? They decided to make like a first person movie and they, they did it. I mean, I feel like they got the results they were shooting for. So they were successful. Yeah, I can't completely disagree with you on that. Like, I think that you could you could formulate an argument that this movie is well made in the sense that this is what they were trying to do and they did it. The issue that comes to me is I, I don't understand why anyone would want to do this. I just... I, it's... You know, a scene of it might be interesting, but an entire hour and a half long movie of it, you have to have something more to it. You know, Commando has fucking a lot of humor to it. It has characters. It has, you know, a plot. This doesn't even really have a plot. Um, you know, you don't know what's happening one moment to the next. It's literally a guy explains what his next mission is and he goes on the next mission. Um I, I suppose, but but isn't that argument kind of the same thing as saying that like German piss porn is well made because somebody got pissed on? I mean, yeah, it is. It's a similar. <laughs> it's yeah. And then if that's what you want to watch, then 
you can say, well, you know, there's if, if you're watching a German piss porn and the person misses and it lands on the floor, you'd be like, well, that's a poorly made one. So the one where he's <laughs> the best. That's the best visual ever. Some German guy sitting in his living room, just livid about it, too. And he's like, they missed. This is some bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, your your point is it's a it's a bad idea. So the fact that they executed it well is irrelevant, and I don't disagree with you. But I was just supporting Brian in his argument that (laughs) they did execute it well. I feel like they got the results they wanted, and you know, it's it's an interesting experiment, Um, and I was going along with it. Then about the hour mark, I was like, okay, I'm kind of over this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it's difficult for me to imagine anyone truly enjoying an hour and a half long of this movie. Like maybe you start late. Maybe you don't enjoy the beginning, but you do enjoy the end. Or maybe you do enjoy the beginning, but you don't enjoy the end. Or maybe you watch it in halves and enjoy 45 minutes a day. But actually sitting down and enjoying this for an hour and a half seems improbable to me. Yeah. Yeah, some of the stunt work's decent. As Noah said, sometimes it's really hard to see. Um, I feel like there's a stuntman who's getting the shit kicked out of him throughout the filming of this movie and is getting no credit for it because we don't see him getting the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. Well, there's actually multiple because up to five people played Henry. Yeah. Because the first two got hurt really bad. Yeah, I believe that. Because I... (laughs) Well, I, 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 I don't know how much I, research you did, but like, is it a lot of putting a GoPro on a guy and making him run around? No, that's literally it. They used like yeah. a super high end GoPro from when it, when ever yeah. it came out. And then the problem with that is that they're like falling off things and jumping. And yeah, naturally people are going to get hurt in an attempt to get these shots. Yeah, somebody got an eye injury, and the other one like broke his foot or something. That wasn't when the guy picks up his own eyeball and puts it back in his head. That wasn't real, was it? Was... No, no, not okay. as far as I remember. That's yeah. I, I was going to say I think that's that it actually makes me hate this movie even more. That it's <laughs> that it's pretty clear a lot of people put an extreme amount of work into this movie to make it, and that they do have some technical expertise in filmmaking. Yeah. And they put all that together to make this steamy pile of crap on purpose. <laughs> well, and I mean, credit where credit's due, a $2 million budget. The movie does not show its budget, considering. And, and that's a pretty big accomplishment. Yeah, it's produced by uh, Timir Bekmenvikov. Sure it is. Pronounce his name. Now say the director's name. Uh, yeah, I don't even know who the director is. Uh, but he directed uh, the Night Night Watch and Day Watch films. Okay, which I'm a big fan of. So I was excited to see his name. Um, I could kind of feel some of his sort of his fingerprints on it. Okay, yeah, the visuals but, um, are are better than you would expect from because it was a first time writer director. So yeah. Um, Plus, it's just nice to, you know, support Russian cinema at a time like this when we're all rallying around the Russians. (laughs) (laughs) We really don't have good timing, do we? Technically, we didn't pick this movie. That's a good point. 
This is all, uh, what's his name's fault? Jeff. Fucking Jeff. God damn it, Jeff. Um, I am a fan of uh, Shalto Copley, though, and I thought he did a good job in the movie, considering he plays like 20 different roles. That's the guy. Well, the the guy, obviously, the one that plays it. Yeah. Um, the, the guy who plays every character that isn't the main character. Yeah. He, uh, he's from District 9. And okay. Other movies. He was also... He was also Burdock in the A Team, yeah, cinematic movie. I knew I recognized him from somewhere, but I didn't figure it out. Now, now that you're saying it, I'm like, oh yeah, right. Not surprisingly, he did mention this is like the hardest movie he's ever made. You think I, so? I could see that. Yeah, I can. I can see that. I'm not really surprised. Um, I, I was yeah, going to say I I, one other funny thing about the movie. I kind of knowing that it was first person, I kind of expected the movie to have the illusion of being all one shot. Obviously, that kind of would be impossible, but I figured they were going to go for that. And instead, it's got all these frantic fucking like edits like we're watching spun again. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It doesn't necessarily commit to the POV in that sense. No. Hmm. Even sometimes you can tell where some of the edits are. They do like a weird, like pixelated glitch type thing, and then yeah, they're not like they're not hidden edits. Really, I wouldn't describe no, no, them no, that no, way. No. Just when you kind of know how the sausage is made, it kind of uh, takes away from the illusion a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. The story in this movie wasn't very good. So unfortunately, that does make it kind of hard to talk about because then it's just all the action stuff and all the action stuff is very samey. That and I think that's um, that's part of my problem with it. When all you have going for you is action, then you have to do something different, unique. You think about a movie like a simple thing like John Wick, where um, really all it is is an excuse to have fight scene after fight scene after fight scene, but they make them all feel different, and that's why that movie can be enjoyable because you're anticipating the next one because it's not going to be the same as what you just watched, and then this one it just feels like more of this eh? and then they're like oh this is the level of the video game where we ride a motorcycle for a few minutes so we have to shoot our same gun off the motorcycle because it's playstation 2 era so we don't have like the technology to be getting on and off the bike you're either on it or off it you're in the sidecar luckily we've hooked a machine gun to the front it's right there (laughs) see the dialogue in this movie sounds like that and that's part of my problem Mm, with it yeah Oh, once once again, whatever the dude's the homeless guy and he hands in the phone that's got the little tracking thing on it. I was like, so help me God, if we're following a fucking quest map for the rest of this movie. Because <laughs> I really thought they were going to do that and commit to it. And I think that joke would have almost been funny enough to make this slightly more tolerable. 
if they had just fully committed to this is just a video game. I absolutely love how Noah's like hesitant on everything. It's like it might have been funny enough to make this a little bit closer to tolerable. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying it would have been funny, and I'm not saying it would have made it tolerable. I'm just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't like this. Um, I guess the shootout and the uh, I don't know strip club slash brothel. Yeah, was enjoyable enough. When the bad guy threw the naked lady at threw the naked lady at him, I thought I kind of <laughs> yeah. thought that was a funny little moment. <laughs> I don't know. The problem with putting a fun environment like a strip club in a movie like this is like, well, I'm watching it. I'm thinking, man, I could have gone to a strip club instead of watch this movie. That'd be better. <laughs> at least when he's like falling out of helicopters, I don't wish I was doing that. <laughs> I don't know. I think Noah was wishing he was doing that while watching this movie. A little bit. Um, I don't know. Does anybody else have anything else? This movie doesn't on. have enough content to like delve into. <laughs> Despite promises to the contrary, this is way worse than what we usually do to ourselves. <laughs> well, Jeff. <sighs> Should have just watched Cobra like we always want to. More, uh, no more Jeff movies from the month of January. Yeah. Just banned from the rest of January. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. That's January is the best thing to come out of hardcore hit, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff's one for two, so we'll see what happens next year because January is all booked up anyway, so. Well, Noah still hasn't picked his movies for the end of January. Well, I don't anticipate Noah like contacting Jeff independently and <laughs> working around the Tracy-based rules that I set. So, <laughs> well, my biggest my biggest problem. I actually did go back through the emails, and there were only a few movies that I had not seen, and we already slotted all those in. Stop making excuses. It's January. It's that other word. But you said, but you guys set the rule. If I have to pick movies I haven't seen, I've seen all the movies. Listen, you'll have to find a way to erase portions of your memory. We've got a week. You've got a week. It's I don't know what the fair. problem is. He's got two. I suppose I could just go on the Facebook group and be like, "We need more suggestions." <laughs> They're making me. Except for Jeff, none for me. <laughs> just <laughs> come on. He did recommend the platform. Yeah, but still. It's been a real hit or miss month. It's like one one out of every two movies has been okay. Oh. What if you combine the two? What if what if it was hardcore Henry in the prison from the platform? No. No? I, no, I don't want to see any more hardcore Henry. It doesn't it wasn't like, oh, they're outside too much. That's my complaint about the movie. <laughs> don't want to see first person him jumping down that uh Oh. Down that center column and landed on that platform and beating dudes up with sticks? No. All right. I don't. I like if I wanted to play a video game, I'd play a video game. Now I don't want to play video games more than I didn't want to play video games before because of this. I almost went and threw out my kid's Nintendo Switch. <laughs> I, I was going to say. Sorry, kid. I saw, I saw Hardcore Henry. This has got to go. His, historically, attempting to make a movie out of a video game doesn't go well. 
Like just in general. I mean, look at Yui Ball's whole fucking career. Mm-hmm. The new Mario Brothers movie looks like they may have done something right there. We'll see when it comes out. Oh. I well, I was getting ready to say. I think the exception is animation. I think you can make an animated video game movie, and they're fine. Like the Street Fighter cartoon was fine. Castlevania was fine. I don't appreciate your implication that the Street Fighter movie wasn't good just because it was one of the stupidest things ever made. Well, don't don't get me wrong. It's delightful. And everyone should see it twice. It's free on YouTube if you want to track it down. But it's also really bad. (laughs) (sighs) Um, Well, Doug, why don't you, I assume, fix this whole episode by telling us about nobody nobody um so bob odenkirk plays a guy and he's got it he's got it pretty rough he's doing the the typical suburban dad thing where nobody cares about him or likes him or treats him with any respect or dignity (laughs) and then to top it off um his house gets broken into and he he basically lets the people go even though he technically could have probably fought them off Mm. and despite the fact that that's objectively the right thing to do and that he he did the best thing for his family in the moment he's hit with a lot of disrespect as a result of it (laughs) i'm glad you picked up on the disrespect portion of it it was oh yeah it was pretty subtle um and then he uh so he decides he's going to track the people down and get them but he doesn't want to kill them because they have a baby so instead he picks a fight with some Russian mobsters on a bus and it becomes abundantly clear that this is not this guy's first try at any of this. <laughs> um, so basically what it comes down to is it turns out he's some retired CIA type assassin and he has been living this quiet suburban life as a matter of choice. And Whatever, this whole situation has awoken something in him. And so now he's going to go to war with the Russian mob. (laughs) And that's basically what happens. He ends up recruiting his father, Christopher Lloyd, who is also some kind of retired assassin, (laughs) to join in for the final battle. Um, This great A-team montage. But yeah, he kills the fuck out of air, buddy. (laughs) Is Is that how you say it? think so you could have done a little bit wider i think sorry uh so this is first time watch for you yeah yeah and and, and how, what did you think i mean here's the thing i didn't know what i was getting going in right mm-hmm. i thought we were going to be getting like an action movie version of falling down that's what yeah. i was anticipating sure and so i go in and right away like all that stuff at the beginning i think is really well done to show how terrible his life is like he's like working for his wife's parents company and he wants to buy it out with them but the father-in-law won't even sell it won't even like consider cutting him a deal and selling it to him at a discount to keep it in the family you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and you know we see he's sleeping in the same bed at his wife but with uh, pillows in between them and it's like just the way everybody speaks to him is just constantly disrespectful. And you're just like, Oh God, like, and like, if you've been there, if you've been in that, like 
I don't know, in a marriage where you're not loved and therefore inherently not respected and you're sticking it out because you feel like you made a promise and you're supposed to do that and it's the right thing to do and it sucks. And so to watch this guy go through it was just like, oh my God, like, look at this poor bastard, like going to this job, which like seems like an okay job, but like there's like rats in the ceiling. It's not the best job, <laughs> you know? And then he's just like, when the break in happens and he, again, he does what is the right thing. And even the cop is kind of mocking him outside. <laughs> right. And even like, even the one, um, when he gets, when he gets back to work the next day and his father-in-law, which is Michael Ironside, who looks real old, which was a little upsetting, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, he's, he is old. It's not his fault, but it's just, I completely, for, I completely forgot he was in this movie. Yeah. Um, but when he like when he's talking to him and he's like. He's like, no, no, you for the record, you did the right thing. You know, a guy like you, you did the right. Like he's saying you're such a pussy. You would have fucked it up. So it's a good thing that you that you didn't try to do anything like a real man would do. That's what he's saying to him. And he's trying to be nice. But it's like when you completely disrespect somebody and don't think they're worth anything then it's impossible to be nice to them and it's just it's so harsh to watch so i'm like on board now to watch this like suburban dad go out and get into fights and get beat up a lot but end up killing people and then when the action starts and he's just a complete nutter fucking badass and i realize oh shit like from the moment that he starts like investigating trying to track down the people who broke into his house from that moment, I'm like, oh, something's up here, but I don't know what. And I haven't read a plot description, so I'm just going to wait and let the movie tell me. And I think the reveal is kind of just slow enough where by the time by the time you, you're asking the question of how does this guy know this, they just give you enough dialogue to let you know what's going on. And then you realize there's some other weird hints earlier in the movie that like the fact that he talks to his radio and it seems as though the radio is answering him. And I didn't understand what the hell was going on. It turns <laughs> out that's how he communicates with one of his buddies who's in hiding. And I'm like, Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. There's a scene where he comes home. He's looking through the window and it is like the picture perfect, like family thing. Like the wife is setting the table. Yeah. Kids are kids are around the table. Everybody seems happy. And then I feel like he walks in the front door and I feel like everybody immediately gets annoyed that he's even home. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, I feel that's, so bad for him. That's called being a dad in a family, Brian. That's <laughs> what that's called. Well, I wouldn't know that. I was just somebody apparently was just annoyed with me enough <laughs> coming home. We, I didn't have the kids to temper it. So, yeah. So it's but I mean, I think I'll, I think a lot of like a lot of men would relate to that, that whole setup, the disrespect and everything. And I think a lot of men would also relate to this idea that like, when you see, when you have that chance to make that move, you want to be the action hero. <laughs> like, like deep down, like that's what you want. We all grew up watching those movies. We all want to be the action hero, but you kind of know the right thing to do is just give them the, whatever $20 that was in that bowl and just send them on their way. Like, like we don't like he refers to it as a, mitigating the damage or something or yeah. and i'm like yeah like that is that is the right move that is absolutely objectively the right move but we're not we're not taught throughout our entire lives that to do the right move we're taught ah, swing that club and see what happens 
So what if they're if they're carrying a gun and they might drop it and it might go off and it might hit your kid? Like it's that's not important. Don't think that through. I I do like the interesting thing, and I I I don't think this is me reading into it. I think the film is trying to tell you this that part of his problem is that uh, he's he's repressed all this stuff to the point of not being honest with his family about stuff. It, yeah, I think, that, I think there's that creates it. kind of that feedback loop of negativity where after they, you know, after the robbery, he could have just told his son, been like, listen, they were scared. The gun wasn't loaded, all this kind of stuff. I just, you know, I'm not going to bash somebody's brains in that's desperate. But he didn't do that, you know. Yeah, no, he's because he's constantly in uh, conflict avoidance mode with the whole family situation. He's constantly pretending that everything's okay because that way he doesn't have to address it. And right. I think, and I think, like we learn that the as the movie goes on, we learn that the character is a lot of this comes from. Yeah, you know, it, it is. It's it's a. There is this thing where people who are in war become addicted to the action of it. And they voluntarily go back, even though why would you do that? You're going to put your life at risk, you know, but they 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 need that. They need that stress and that tension and everything else that comes along with it. And it's it's probably a form of like mental illness that comes from. From what you've experienced, right, like some some variation of PTSD or whatever. I don't know. I'm not an expert. I'm just saying shit. But um, I think that that's all there in this character and it because the actor's so good, we can kind of see it all in him where it's all like, it's the layers are there. Like, okay, he's upset because he can't do these things. And as a result, it's, he's constantly in this kind of closed off mode. The family doesn't really treat him with respect or dignity, but he doesn't address it. He doesn't solve the problem because that would be conflict. And he just doesn't want to deal with it at all. And it, it all kind of builds on itself. Yeah. So I'm going to assume you're pretty positive on this movie. Yeah, I love this movie. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I was enjoying it on the drama elements. Mm. And then the action kicks in. And the action's fantastic. And then all of a sudden, Christopher Lloyd is, like, doing action moves, which I didn't really <laughs> see coming. Like, I didn't... Like, I was, I was happy with Christopher Lloyd. I liked watching his performance because he's doing this, like, He's finally playing an old man, even though he's looked like an old man for longer than I've been alive. <laughs> right. And, you know, he's doing a really good job of it. And I'm fine with it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm enjoying the role. I think there's a there's a warmness between those two characters. Like there's those moments where they're just sitting and eating together and they're eating like shitty microwave meals in that like old folks home apartment. Well, the dad doesn't even get out of his chair and just keeps watching his Western. But there's something about the fact the way they're doing it, it made me feel like this is how they kind of bond. Do you know what I mean? Just something yeah. about it that I really enjoyed. And then the moment when uh, Bob Odenkirk says, uh, there's something I got to go do. And then Christopher Lloyd just kind of goes, well, better go do it then. And I'm like, there's something went off in my brain where I'm like, I just, I fucking love the relationship between those two. And it's subtle and it's, there's not a lot to it. And maybe I'm adding in a lot of just having already liking those two actors, but it really works in the movie. So then at the end, when we see, well, I ended just for that moment. That moment is really dark too. Yeah. Because he takes a gun 
It's his dad's FBI ID, and he changes his clothes to something that, you know, he wouldn't be recognized wearing. Yeah. And just the way that Christopher Lloyd says, well, go do it then, is like, yeah, go kill some motherfuckers. <laughs> well, because there is a moment earlier, and I didn't... It's it's done really well, I think, in the movie. It's a subtle moment where Christopher Lloyd says, do you remember who we used to be? Because I do. And... At the, in the moment, I think they're like they've got the picture of the family there, and I think they're talking about like it. It seems like they're reminiscing about oh, this these happier times when you know I was younger and not stuck in an old folks' home, and you were happier. And and then later we realized no, he remembers that we used to both be fucking badasses, and that's the the sort of eighties ish action movie logic that comes through is we're supposed to be badasses. Let's go be badasses. Like that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be living this life. This life is for other people, not for us. Yeah. Chris, Christopher Lloyd is so good in this movie. Yeah. A- apparently he w- he had some kind of horrible stomach bug while shooting this. Okay. It caused a bunch of shooting delays and the stunt people were always trying to carry the shotguns around for him, which he absolutely refused to let them do. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I would say I've, I think we talked about this on the podcast once before, back whenever I watched it a few years ago. But I think my only complaint about the movie, and this isn't a, a major thing. I feel like the confrontation at the end of the movie feels very out of place for the rest of the movie. The Russians walking into this warehouse and well, well, it's afraid of booby traps. It's the fact that it goes from this very like the bus fight scene goes from this very visceral. Uh, yes, Odin Kirk is is a badass, but he's not an indestructible superhero. You know what I mean? Like he's, he has a go of it fighting five guys, but then all of a sudden at the end of the movie, they just turn into superheroes, which is, I I don't know. Like I said, it's, it's still great. It just feels like it's in another movie. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. I had, I didn't really pick up on it mostly because I think I was just enjoying the movie so much. Um, but you're correct that the action sequence at the end is it's, it's straight out of the A team. We literally have a montage of him, you know, doing the old, like, well, the Russians are coming. You better build a bunch of weapons out of whatever we can find around the shop and set some booby traps and, you know, and then they go to war with them there. And there's even some moments like talk about it being a sillier action sequence, um, where the dad and the friend that show up to help are actually, using the booby traps and it's like well they weren't there when he put those up so you mean mean his brother (laughs) well it's not supposed to be his actual brother is it yeah is it Uh, yeah because i mean there's pictures of them together whenever he was a kid i I think he's just he's either adopted or they have different moms okay that's fine it doesn't really matter in the in the context of the movie it's the guy he talked to through the radio is all that we really need to know right yeah I guess he does refer to his dad as Pops. I just took that as they were friends for so long that that's what he called. Interesting. Anyways. But yeah, like, 
that that final fight scene is so much fun that it's hard to criticize. But you're correct to point out that it's it doesn't blend exactly with the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's very. Uh, I, I think the first three quarters of the movies. It's unfortunate how much comparison this movie has to have with John Wick, but let's face it, like, yeah, they came they came out too close together and they have very similar plots. But it's got that visceral. I, I don't know. So it's a cr- a cringy is not exactly what I mean, but like cringy violence where whenever somebody gets hurt, you go, ah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it really feels um, you feel it when they when they're fucking hitting each other and stuff. Right. The bus, the bus fight scene. If there are awards for fight choreography, that bus fight scene should win every fucking award. I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you can't ask. And it's our, our friend Ian El Goro from Talks Without Rhythm always talks about the idea of uh, storytelling through action, especially in the context of like wrestling and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that fight scene tells an entire story of this guy kind of cutting loose and, and the, the, the emotions he's going through and shit. Whenever they throw him out the bus window, and he gets up and he walks back in. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> there, there's something about that moment that you're like, oh, fuck, these guys are in deep shit. <laughs> well, I even like the way the fight starts because you talk about storytelling. Like, first of all, these guys, so the, the guys get in a car crash beside the bus. They're all drunk and shit and they come onto the bus, right? And they're not really doing anything. Nothing that warrants the level of violence that follows. Like they're being annoying, basically. <laughs> right. And he decides. Like this, this fight isn't about him trying to protect anybody. It's about him wanting to get his aggression out. And I think they do a really good job of showing that. And it's followed by that moment of like him emptying the gun onto the floor and showing, making sure all the guys see him do it, which yeah. is like, like, I, I could shoot you all, but I don't want to. I want to hit you. I want to hit you. I want to fight you. And I want you to hit me back. That's part of it. That's all part of it, right? Like when he goes out that, that window, that doesn't bother him. He's glad that that happened. Well, in that that great casual delivery of him just going, I'm going to fuck you up. Yep. <laughs> like, like I came out here tonight to fuck someone up. My original plan went awry because there's like a sick baby in that apartment and I can't shoot a dad with a sick baby in the apartment. So you guys are next. You're just the next quote unquote bad guys that I found. And, and again, what were they really doing that warranted everything that went on? They weren't even really harassing that girl to not by movie standards. They were maybe yeah. making her feel uncomfortable. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so. Yeah. So he's going to fucking trash a whole bus and use all the parts of it to whack guys with. <laughs> so, yeah, like I love that. I love that. And I love the idea that he goes out and he does that because of his own internal like issues that he has and his own inability to cope with life. And then the fact that it then has consequences after 
are, I think, important. I think it goes beyond the idea that he's just he's doing the right thing. No, he's not doing the right thing. The right thing to do was to let those guys go from that apartment and just move on. You lost your 25 bucks, you filled in your police report, and you go on with your day, right? And so what if the neighbor with the fancy car thinks you're a pussy? It really doesn't change anything. And instead, he goes out and he commits these acts of violence, and now that comes back on him threefold, and now he's in a war, right? Oh, shit. <laughs> but that um we also then we get the introduction of the bad guy which is i think the first moment where we realize the movie is moving away from that visceral violence and into cartoon per- territory because when we see him like they're dri- the cars driving up to the uh club and you just hear him yell like you motherfuckers you drove past it and then the thing does a u-turn and he gets out and walks across the road to get back to the club and all the cars are like just stopping without hitting him because he's so badass that he doesn't look both ways <laughs> and he immediately walks into the club like does a shot and goes straight up on stage and starts singing and dancing <laughs> and you're just like okay like this is not the this is not the the bad guy from a John Wick movie. This is the bad guy from something that Bruce Willis would be in. <laughs> and uh, it's but then he we have you've that gotta, moment where he's got to love that bad guy, though, man. He's great. Just, well, I just I just love the fact that so, you know, the movie's about ego and it's about, you know, Odenkirk's character and his bruised ego and kind of yeah. claiming everything. And then you have the Russian guy who's the giant inflated ego being crushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the way the when he went upstairs too, and somebody like pointed out like you're supposed to be the bad guy in the movie, but you're singing and dancing. That's kind of weird, right? So he just kills the shit out of a guy with a broken glass. <laughs> and you, now, now am I the bad guy in the movie? And I'm like, yep, yeah, you are. Those aren't the exact lines of dialogue from the film, but that's basically what happens. <laughs> and it's it's so fucking good, and it's so it's brutal. Like we're still in that part of the movie where the violence is very visceral, and when he uses that broken stem of a glass to cut that guy up, it's it's hardcore. Oh, whenever he he drags that broken glass across that guy's face, it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking great. That's what that is. Oh. I also love it, uh, the main character's weird plan of, you know how we're going to end this. I'm going to go burn the millions and millions of dollars of Russian mob money and destroy his art collection. And somehow this is going to end the violence. <laughs> well, because he'd been given the information that the guy wanted out, but the guy couldn't get out because he was in charge of all this money. So he's like, maybe if I take away his reason for being here. He can just walk away, and I can just walk away. It's not great logic to burn all of the the retirement savings of the entire Russian mafia and think that somehow that'll make them leave you alone. It's not a great plan. <laughs> but it does lead to that moment where he goes into the club where the bad guy's singing on stage, and he fucking sits down and orders a meal. God, I love oh, him. He was that fucking, uh, I don't know what kind of bomb that is. Claymore. Yeah, Claymore. Yeah, everybody. They all surround him and shit. Then they're like, oh my God. Like, really? Like, you you have the audacity to come in here? He just pulls that napkin up and just like, yeah, I don't care. I'll fuck everybody up. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that scene is awesome. When he, when he walks up and he goes, how are you enjoying your meal? And he goes, well, I'm really here for the show. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> what a fucking prick. I love it. And it's the exact, it's the exact moment that everything transfers from uh, the regular violence to superhero violence. But man, after he walks out of the club and gets in the car and they have that crazy gun car chase. Yeah. So good. See, what what we're inadvertently pointing out here is what was wrong with the other movie where we kept saying the action was all samey, all samey, all samey. Here, it's a fist fist fight on a bus. It's a fucking, it's a a shootout in, in cars. It's a guy like walking through the building. With what was it like Frank Sinatra playing while he's doing the shoot while he's shooting everybody and burning the money? <laughs> Which, by the way, we should point out when he burns the money, what he does is he fucking opens up the water gasket and pours gasoline into the fire extinguisher system and then sets off the fire alarm. So then all the, all the fucking uh, gas is falling from the ceiling. So we see everything on fire, which is beautiful. Yeah. And apparently. <laughs> Apparently, this movie was kind of Odenkirk's brainchild, and it all stemmed from an actual home invasion. Him and his family were victims of a home invasion. Oh, really? Yeah, and it, it had to do with the fact that he was dealing with, uh, you know, that helpless, shitty feeling of, I couldn't do anything. Yeah. And it's kind of echoed in the character, the idea of this this middle-aged sort of impotence. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, he was like, if I was a badass, this is what I would do. Yeah. Did we mention his performance is fucking out of this world? (laughs) It's fantastic. Like, it's because he's asked to do so much, but it's all subtle. Like the action stuff, okay, like a lot of that is the editing and the directing, but the character stuff is all on him, and it, he doesn't say a lot to to it. It's all the way he looks at people. It's all in the way he reacts to things. It's in the way you tie in his dialogue from certain scenes in with other scenes. Um, I really like the moment when he like he gets home from the bus fight and he's like, he feels like he can open up to his wife for the first time because he's himself for the first time. That's the impression I got. It's like first time in a long time. I'm me and I can say what I'm thinking again. And he says like, I miss you and stuff. But then he also drops the line of dialogue that his dad used with him. Like, do you remember who we used to be? Cause I do like it's, he's repeating the things that he's learned from the lessons he's learned from his father to try and uh, save his own family and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it's all really well done. Um, none of it is kind of in your face. There's no big moments you can point to where he's like asked to do great acting. It's just the, the subtle performance is really impressive. I don't know. You say he's not asked to do great acting, but fucking opening scene and one of the towards the end scene when he (laughs) sitting at the police table pulls a fucking cat out of his jacket opens up a tuna can and feeds it right in front of the police. And they're like, who are you? I love the, 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 the opening of the movie. He pulls that cat out of his jacket and you can see he's got like one handcuff on his wrist. And you're like, I don't know how he got like this. <laughs> I mean, I almost, I almost feel like the cat at the end of the movie was them 
almost like flagrantly going, we know you're going to compare this to John Wick. So he has a kitty cat now. (laughs) His daughter wanted a cat earlier in the movie. So when he realized that the thing making the noise at the beginning of the movie was actually a cat and not a possum, he decided to save it for her. That's all. This whole movie was about him trying to get her. It started with him wanting to get his daughter's kitty cat bracelet back. Mm hmm. Which he found under the sofa when he had a bunch of dead guys laying on top of it. <laughs> well, three three dead guys and a paralyzed guy who he's getting ready to burn to death. Yeah. Uh, I do love that he keeps trying to exposition dump. Like he keeps wanting to tell us his backstory. <laughs> and they keep dying. <laughs> they keep dying so he doesn't get to finish. And then love that line. He goes, you sneaky Pete. <laughs> <laughs> And then the only real backstory, I mean, we get like a little bit of a story, just like one job he went on that kind of turned him off to to doing the whole thing. But I love that the backstory is told to us through other people. Yeah. Like when he's in that tattoo shop and everybody's about to beat the fuck out of him. And that one veteran guy sees his tattoo on his wrist and all of a sudden is like, oh, fuck, stands up. Thank you for your service, sir. And then tries to get out as soon as possible. <laughs> Which well, makes this is so great. He goes into the back room and you just hear like a thousand locks <laughs> locking on the door. <laughs> Once again, it gets very cartoony all of a sudden. And then uh, the fucking hacker girl, the Russian guy has working for him. As soon as she gets all the info, like all the pictures pop up on the screen. She just walks into his office, throws a bunch of pictures on the floor. She's like, okay, here you go. No payment needed. Thanks. Bye. And just like, <laughs> leaves. Just like, yeah. nope, done. Not deal yeah, with this no bullshit. Charge. I quit. <laughs> well, it's, it's almost cool like that it's everybody too. Cause uh, they do. Uh, oh, the guy she's blackmailing. I can't remember that actor's name. Yeah. Oh yeah. What's it? The bald, bald guy with glasses who kind of plays uh, irritating, nerdy asshole and a lot of stuff. But the fact that he's trying to log into the system and it's getting denied, so he has to go down to the basement and all the <laughs> redacted <laughs> files, and it's just he pulls out a box and it's just nothing but like blank pages. <laughs> yeah, and that's like good enough for like, oh, okay, yeah, this yeah. guy's for for fucking real. Like, it feeds you. Them. It feeds you enough backstory that you're like, okay, the people that need to know, no. Yeah, I really like this movie. Yeah, it's it's extremely well executed. It's great. It's I, I didn't even think about it until Noah brought it up, but the idea that some of the action scenes are so visceral and hard to like almost hard to watch, and then some of them are just so fun and ATM-y. And it's like uh I very difficult to do both those things, you know. They pulled it off. Yeah. Once his confidence gets back up, that's when all the A-teamy stuff starts. Yeah, it is almost like it starts out as this like serious thing that happened to him. And at the end, it's just a fantasy of how you would react. Like if you wanted to, you could re-edit the movie to make it so that he like wakes up and hasn't done any of the shit. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> like he just he, he just went into fantasy world of like thinking he can do all thinking he can take on a Russian mafia. Because he had twenty bucks stolen out of his little bowl. (laughs) 
Uh, from what I've heard, they are working on a sequel. Well, we have to find out where Pops and his other kid were headed. Right. In the post credit sequence. I was going to ask if you watched through the credits or not. <laughs> Damn straight. I loved it. <laughs> Why couldn't we just fly there? <laughs> like, fucking van full of guns. Uh, I guess that sly I, smile on his face. I, I do love the bit at the, uh, during like right before the final fight where Christopher Lloyd's talking and he, and he tells him the whole thing, you know, I tried to retire and, you know, and it was nice and all this kind of stuff, but basically, man, I miss murdering people. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I, I was getting weird. The wrestler vibes off this movie where it was like the idea that, you know, like, okay, here's the idealistic lifestyle that most movies would tell you you're supposed to go live. And instead, it's like, for these characters, that's not what's right for them. For these characters, they, they need to be murdering people. That's, that's what they need in their lives. <laughs> Just this family of murderers. To be fair, they only kill bad people. Yeah. Even apologizes to the bus driver for fucking her bus up. He does. He doesn't even at the beginning. He doesn't even want to kill the bad people. He saves that one bad guy. That's what causes half the trouble. Yeah. Should have just killed him. Would have been easier. Should have killed all of them. I think that was the problem. Yeah. And one dude stole his metro card. Maybe he should have killed that girl just in case because she would have seen his face. So. Yeah. Since we already established that he wasn't there to protect her. <laughs> well, you all get to die. Sorry. So we're going to say three recommends all across the board. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, what everybody watched since last week? Uh, I only watched one other thing other than some more Breaking Bad. Uh, in which, so I ended up starting at like season two, just because I wasn't sure where in like season three or four I had left off. It's man, the first time I watched this, I must have not been paying attention because like <laughs> literally half the episodes, I'm like, I don't remember any of this. And then the next episode, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, I remember this. And then another episode, I'm like, nope, nothing. <laughs> It's kind of important because you do you can easily um, lose track of that show if you're not paying attention. So, yeah, yeah, there's just so much going on. I think I missed. Uh, I must have missed several episodes that had to do with Jesse and uh, Jane's relationship. I kind of remember where all that goes, but I don't know. I must have missed. Some of it. Uh, and then the only other thing I watched was the Happy Time Murders. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, mostly because whenever I was searching for Hardcore Henry, it was the next thing on the list. And I was like, oh, yeah, Muppet movie that I haven't seen. <laughs> uh, and it's all right. 
I mean, it's it, it's definitely like a very particular style of humor. Yeah, I kind of wanted to see it, and then I don't know. The closer I got to coming out, I was like, I don't know if I want to see that anymore. I had like the same experience where I'm like, yeah, it seemed like a good idea, but then as I was like, I don't know, I don't know though. So I would say the only thing that drags it down for me is the presence of uh, Melissa McCarthy, who we all know I fucking hate. She did steal a parking spot from me once. I understand. Right. But, I mean, even even she's tolerable in it, so. That's it. I mean, it, I, I know everyone else seems to like her much more than I do, so that's probably not as much of a negative for everyone else. Yeah, depends on the movie. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just kind of got, it's got a good sense of humor because basically the the running joke of the whole movie is that, of course, Muppets are real and that Muppets are essentially an oppressed minority. So, you know, people call them socks and <laughs> things like that. The main character was a detective who, after a incident has been fired and is now acting as a private detect or a private investigator instead. Melissa McCarthy's character is his ex-partner. Uh, and his brother was on a TV show called the happy time gang, which was like a Muppet sitcom. And all of the members of that sitcom have started being murdered. And so now they've got a sorrowful murders. Um, yeah, lots of raunchy puppet sex jokes. Uh, Doug probably won't know who I'm talking about, but I think he probably would, Noah. You remember Dustin Wayne Mills, the indie movie guy? Sounds familiar. He did Puppet Monster Massacre. See, I don't remember Puppet Monster Massacre. Um, anyway, around the time this movie came out, he was making a movie called Snuff It, <laughs> which was supposed to be as like a snuff movie with Muppets in it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he was really pissed off when this movie came out because he's like, God damn it. It's going to steal all my thunder. I still need to go out and find a copy of, uh, what was the one that showed at the, uh, The film festival. No, I, I don't remember. I know it's one you're talking about. It's like called Worthington Heights or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But it was basically a zombie movie that was set in an apartment building that was all Muppets, and it was fantastic. But yeah, I mean, I I think it's a recommend, but I don't I don't know my. I have a bias because, man, I freaking love movies with Muppets in it. <laughs> uh, although technically Muppets is a trademark term. They call them Muppets. Oh, really? Yeah. They straight up say Muppets through the whole movie. Mm. 
Was Brian Henson involved? I, I do not know. Did he just was like, ah, fuck it. We're going to say Muppets. My dad came up with Muppets. <laughs> yeah, I don't let's, know. let's see Dis- Disney try to sue me over this. Hmm. But yeah, that's it. Doug, what'd you watch? Yeah, a few things. Let's see. First up, I watched uh, Jeepers Creepers Reborn. All right, hold oh, on. Oh, Jesus. This movie was directed by Brian Henson. So oh, he go. he totally was like, yeah, we're saying fucking Muppets. Get the fuck over it, Disney. Yeah. They bought my dad's shit, but. There may be an issue there of like, yeah, go ahead, sue me. Be the guys that sue Jim Henson's kid for saying Muppets. <laughs> have, have fun with your PR uh, after that. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's what it was. Uh, all right. Sorry. Go ahead, Doug. Are you sure? I don't want to. No cut you off even though technically that's not what happened nope uh oh jeepers creepers reborn oh yeah so did you guys know this is a meta sequel that's set in the real world where the jeepers creepers movies exist i already know that i already hate it (laughs) yeah you probably will um yeah it basically it's yeah the, the creeper is like an urban legend, but guess what? The urban legend is true. And these people are traveling to a horror festival near where it is. And all of a sudden they encounter it. And now they have to fight it along with a couple of the other people that they meet up with at the festival. Everyone acts surprised. Um, I don't know. I kind of like that. We're in this era now where we're like, it's almost back to like, there's they're making direct to DVD sequels to, to series now where we're just like, yeah, whatever. Give some young director with a neat, neat idea a few bucks and let him make a movie in the series. See what happens. Um, you get a lot of very mediocre kind of horror going on, but I enjoy that sometimes. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I don't necessarily want it always to be a good movie. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> starting to sound like Noah now. Let's say it's... I, I sometimes want to watch a movie in a little bit more of a casual sense of just like, I'm tired, it's the end of the day. I just want to throw inside. I don't want to have to think about it. I don't want to have, you know, and these direct to DVD type sequels or direct to streaming, I guess is the term we should use now offer us that opportunity of like, you know what? Like, you know, enough about the creeper. We don't have the, we don't have the money to do the makeup the way we did it before, but we came up with this weird plot twist reason why it doesn't have to look the same anymore. And it's going to chase some people around and scare people and it'll be fun. And, you know, we'll have a scene where they go to like some horror festival. So there's a bunch of people in cosplay. Won't that be enjoyable? And there, there's a special spot where they, you know, where they throw uh, stuff at balloons, but they have little creeper weapon things to throw at the balloons. That's fun, right? Like, cause, cause it's a, an urban legend that exists. I'm like, yeah, that is fun. I, no, I want to go there and throw those at balloons. So I had fun with it. It's probably a one-time watch that I'll never watch again. I don't recommend anybody pay to see it. It'll show up somewhere for free eventually for everybody. But it was a an interesting little twist on a series that has pretty much run its course. So I'm curious. Uh, um, is Victor Salva involved? Not to my I, knowledge. I know he didn't direct it, and I know he didn't write it. I didn't see his name anywhere in the credits. 
If if I remember correctly, I think I read somewhere that one of the conditions of getting the movie made is he had to waive any royalties or anything that would go to him. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's a weird hill for me to die on. And I don't know why. Cause there's other horrible celebrities that I just am like, well, what am I going to do? Not watch American beauty. But for some reason, I don't know. Victor Salva just hit me and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to watch that dude's movies anymore. It's it's specifically the fact that he assaulted a kid on a movie set while in a position of authority on the movie set. And he was yeah. allowed to continue to make movies. Yeah, I think that might be it. That it's just like, well, he did a lot of movie sets. Maybe we shouldn't be allowed to make movies anymore. Everybody was kind of like, well, I mean, you know, he did his time. I'm like, yeah, but I mean, some guy robs a store and goes to jail. You don't, you don't let him have a gun afterwards. So I don't know. So I haven't watched any of them past the first one. And I seem to have heard that he wasn't involved with this one, but I didn't know how deep that went. Because <sighs> apparently it takes place in one of the conventions I used to go to all the time. Yeah, with Horror Hound. Yeah. I don't know if it actually does or if they just use the name. Well, I think they set up a fake convention to shoot it all, but I was like, oh, Horror Hound, I go there. I feel as though Horror Hound is bigger than the convention that they had because they didn't have the budget for a full convention. <laughs> it's possible. But somehow Tom Savini was still there. Well, it's a convention. <laughs> <laughs> Look, anywhere where somebody will pay $20 for an autograph, Tom Savini will be there. And he will be pretentious about it. Have you been to any of the local horror conventions, Noah? Uh, not a long time. Just curious. I mean, I went to a few small ones back in the day, and then like the last one I went to was one of the random ones in Chicago when like uh Walking Dead had started to hit it big, and all the conventions like changed and they became these big spectacly bullshitty things you know what i mean i want to go yeah, to a convention to get to buy bootlegs and you know <laughs> random rare vhs horror movies not not pay 500 dollars to get fucking norman reedus's autograph <laughs> yeah i guess i feel the same way uh flashbacks usually pretty good about not doing that kind of stuff so now that you're going to be close to Chicago again. That's true. And, and you got a place to crash if you want to come over this way and go to them, So, uh, Did you watch anything else, Doug? Yeah. Um, I rewatched a movie from 2010 called The Killer Inside Me. Do you guys remember this one? I, I like, remember it. I did not see it, though. Yeah, it was super controversial when it came out because of the violence and stuff, and that was kind of all I could remember about it. For some reason, my library recommended it to me through their streaming app. They're like, what about this one? I'm like, oh, maybe. 
Thanks, um, library. Yeah. It, it, my library recommended Jeepers Creepers, too. Library actually knows me pretty well. They're, they're, their algorithm's pretty good. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's a weird movie. It has this, like, Coen Brothers-esque plot where it's like, there's like a seemingly small thing, which is like there's a hooker that moves to town. This local cop goes over to he's supposed to chase her out of town, but instead he gets involved in a relationship with her. And she's also involved in a relationship with this rich guy's kid. So she convinces the rich guy's kid to get money from his dad to give to them, which is supposed to be like a payoff for her to leave town. But she tells him that they're going to leave town together. But she tells the cop she's really going to use the money to run off with him. And of course, it turns out because this is, like I said, Coen Brothers esque. It turns out the rich guy killed the cop's brother years earlier. Um, so this is all a, a plot by the cop guy to kill both of them and take the money out, basically to punish the rich guy by killing his kid. Um. And then things spiral out of control after that point. So it's like this weird, like, like I say, twisty, turny plot. Um, but imagine like the Coen brothers worked closely with Jack Ketchum to put a movie together. <laughs> so yeah. it's set it's set in small town, 1950s. And um, when I say the cop gets involved with the prostitute what i mean is when he's like telling her she's got to leave town she starts hitting him and slapping him and yelling at him and that sparks memories of weird sexual child abuse that he had so he starts hitting her back but she really likes that it turns out so (laughs) that's what you get you end up with scenes of you know Casey Affleck and uh, Jessica Alba in the closest thing to BDSM you're going to get in a movie with mainstream actors in it. Like he's on top of her with his belt around her neck, choking her and they're both loving it. Uh, You don't expect to see that coming. (laughs) No. When the twist comes that he, he, he beats her or quotes to death, man, he lays a fucking beating on her and it is something brutal to watch. And you're just like, what happened to our fun Coen Brothers movie with all the fun plot twists? And, you know, it's like and he is just punching her in the face until she's dead from it. And you're just like, what the fuck did I just witness? And there's several moments like just outbursts of violent like violence like that that happen throughout the film. There's vulgar sexuality throughout the film where you're just like, I don't, what is going on? Like this is, this is this sort of like, you know, twisty turny plot movie with, Oh, is he going to get caught or isn't he? And yet also now he's whipping his girlfriend who's played by Kate Hudson. And you're like, I didn't anticipate Kate Hudson getting whipped with a belt in this movie as part of like a sexual act. And like, there's a voiceover by Casey Affleck's character throughout the whole movie telling the story. And he's like, at one point he's like, yeah, things were going real well with us. And she was getting, becoming like a really good girlfriend and would serve me. But you know, of course she had a little trouble sitting down around me because he's whipping her with a belt in the bedroom. Jesus Christ. And I'm just like, I don't, it's so strange. It's such a strange juxtaposition of like these two things. 
And uh, I, I don't even know if I recommend it or not. It's just, it's a very unique film in that sense. It's so strange to have all these A-list actors doing these things on screen. You're like, I don't see that coming. It's, you know, like it's like it's like the the cast is like Casey Affleck, Jessica Alba, and Kate Hudson, and then it's like it's also got like a, Ned Beatty's in it, Bill Pullman's in it. Um, what's his name? That. Oh, Simon Baker. He's the guy from I only, I only know him from uh, from that Romero movie, but it doesn't matter. And then like there's like this weird like in the background because I said it's like a Coen Brothers movie. There's also this like union boss that works for the rich guy in town and he's in Casey Affleck's ear all movie, like letting him know certain things to try to convince him to go and do all the shit that he does. And that's Elias Codius. You're like what are all these people doing in this movie where a guy beats a hooker to death with his bare hands on screen and you see every punch connect? Like, it's not something you're expecting. Mm. So, I don't know if I just recommended <laughs> the movie to you or not. That's what it is. Um, I watched well, it once when it was new in 2010 and once now. I might wait that long again until the next time I'm sitting around the house thinking, I wonder what would happen if Jack Ketchum and the Coen brothers worked together on a film. And then, Oh yeah. Right. I do. Uh, I do like some Elias Codius though. So yeah, he's good in the movie. Like he's good in everything. So it's not really an argument, but he's like, he, he just plays this like union boss who's in a conflict with, because the rich guy played by Ned Beatty runs like all the construction in this small town. And so this union boss is like pissed, but he, he's just in Casey Affleck's ear the whole movie. Like he just shows up randomly. It's like, Hey, so did you know this about the guy? And then it's like, and then later he shows back up and he figures out what Casey Affleck has done. And he's like, I can't believe you did that. Like, have you thought about cleaning it up so that neither of us get caught? Like, it's, um, So, yeah, I wanted to check it out. May have to at some point. It's like I think if you're again, I feel like I end up saying this once a week, but it's like if you're a fan of like film and you want to see something that's interesting and different, it is a unique combination of filmmaking styles. Um, and then you've got great actors throughout. It's well scripted. It's well shot. Like it's all it's made well. And it's just, it's really interesting to see them kind of combine these two types of, of movie. Yeah. But it, it could be interesting to see if you, if you saw it, we could have a conversation about how well they mix the two types of films together and whether it does feel like certain scenes stand out compared to the rest of the movie or whether it feels like they fit. Yeah, maybe I'll have to watch it this weekend. We'll see. Well, if there's one thing we're known for around here, it's one of us recommends a movie, the other one jumps on it. So <laughs> that's true. Um, after that, I needed some comfort food, so I decided to rewatch Ex Machina, which is or Ex Machina. I still don't know how to pronounce it, even though it's one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> um, which yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before, right? We need to get into it. Um, I think so. I, f I feel like we've talked about it before. If anyone hasn't yeah. seen it, it's 
yeah, guy gets brought to his boss's house to test this new AI and it kind of delves into that fun sci-fi territory of like when does something become human if you've given it consciousness and how do you know whether something has consciousness or whether it's just giving you programmed responses and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, but really really well executed film great performances um, just just a lot of fun there's a couple little twists and turns in the plot that I won't give away that are unexpected to say the least yeah it pretty much let me say that uh anytime i see alex garland's name on something i will usually check it out yeah doesn't mean i'll love it but i mean at least at least it uh usually i'm like oh well there'll be something interesting and curious going on in this movie yeah so it's definitely worth my time at least watching it and it's comparable in a way to to nobody in the sense that it it's a fun like just enjoyable watch there's a dance sequence with the robots in the middle of it and stuff but also it's uh it's got that depth to it if so you can just sit and casually watch it but if you want to stop and think about it you can which is kind of a neat combination but they really um they really nail it and that there is they do a surprisingly good job of having a robot character on screen who isn't like she has a human face, but she's not designed to look human. Like she's her body is exposed and it's clearly robotic. And yet they really humanize her and they make her into that. So there ends up being a moment where she's like, like she realized she knows she's being tested and she starts asking the question of like, what happens if I fail the test? And you really feel for her, which is hard to do with a non-human character. You know, every now and again, there's filmmakers that can pull it off. And this is a great example of it. And done in a, not in in an R2-D2 kind of way, but in a real human kind of way. So, it's a big recommend if people haven't seen it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's, uh... It's one of the first things I remember seeing Oscar Isaacs in. Like I'd seen him in something before that, but yeah. this is the first time where I'm like, oh yeah, it's Oscar Isaacs. He's, he's good and stuff. I didn't even like, I didn't know who any of the actors were the first time I saw this. Like I saw it pretty blind. So just Oscar Isaac, Dominic Gleason, both who are both now star Wars people. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I have, what's her name? I have her name in front of me because I won't remember. Alicia Vikander, who is, plays the robot, and she's fantastic. Yeah, I don't she's... I don't know what else she's really been in because she won't look the same in other things because she'll be human in most of her other roles, I assume. Yeah. Or she plays a robot in a hundred other things because that's what happens to actors sometimes. But <laughs> I had a friend who just thought way too literal about stuff in this movie, so he just could not get past it. So I remember listening to him review it and he was like, he was like, yeah, but they bring up like, you know, is she truly alive? But she's not, she's a robot. And I'm like, well, I mean, there's That's, more, there's more to the question about that. He's like, yeah, but the whole, the whole, she, the whole difference she's literally is literally a robot. Yeah. yeah. But if you create, if you give something consciousness, how do you, if you make something that is alive, 
then how do you wait? Like that's, that's the core question. And it shows up in a lot of sci-fi and I love the question of like, when does something stop being a machine and start being alive? And I, I, I mean, you could say never, if it's manufactured, then it's always, it's always a uh, machine, but at some point we're going to have to deal with that question in the real world. Like it's, it's not when it, when it's capable of learning on its own and not just an algorithm that spits out responses, there's going to be a a discussion to be had in our real world. And it's obviously very different from the way it usually plays out in movies. Cause in movies, conveniently enough, they can always do something evil or something to, you know, or, or we're going to discover some horrible, uh, existential truth later that's going to traumatize us all like finding out that characters in video games actually experience pain something <laughs> something terrible like that yeah fucking that's westworld so effect yeah well westworld is like a a comparable to this movie of the idea of like how long can you keep mistreating these things that have genuine emotions just because you created the emotions? Yeah. So. Yeah, I haven't watched it since theaters. I remember really enjoying it. I Like, I remember watching it first time probably when it was new, so I know it came out in 14, so I assume that's the first time I saw it, and just immediately watching it again, like, within a couple of days, because that's how impressed I was. And then, I've, I don't know how many times I've seen it, but a bunch so mm-hmm. it had been a while so when i stumbled across it i was just like yep also movie number three recommended to me by the library just if anyone's keeping track because <laughs> i have two different streaming services through my library so this is actually from the other one but then after i was finished watching that i was like man i really like stories where it's like the robot comes to life I'm like, wait a minute, there's one in theaters right now. So about an hour and a half after I finished watching that movie, I went and saw Megan. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, go see it. It's honestly, it was really good. Um, it's it doesn't have any kind of real depth to it, I don't think. It's just a fun horror movie. It's pretty predictable when you uh, if you've seen the trailer, you know, like believe it or not, the doll comes to life and wants to protect the little girl and ends up killing people. And then they have to deal with that. You know, um, it's, it's really obvious where it's going to go. And obviously the, the aunt character who is in charge of the little girl is like not wanting, she's the one that built the doll. So she doesn't want to destroy the doll. And what's she going to do? It's her career against her family. It's like, yeah, whatever. It's just, (laughs) it's just an excuse for this killer doll to be running around and like, partway through the movie they introduce a different robot and you're like i hope those robots fight later man <laughs> and, you know like again it's i don't even feel like i'm spoiling anything of course they fight later of course they do <laughs> like and it's great it's so fun and it's, uh, it is very much an aliens uh get your hands off or you bitch moment which yeah. is fantastic and it's I was going to say, I, I haven't seen it yet, but my favorite part of the whole movie is that apparently just from the trailer, that scene of the uh, of Megan dancing down the hallway mm-hmm. made her instantly some kind of 
LGBTQ symbol that they all oh, latched yeah. onto. Oh yeah. I hadn't heard that. Yep. Oh well. But the movie is you mentioned that like I think it is an obvious aliens reference. I don't think it's an accident that they make that 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 happens. Yeah. And there are references to the Terminator in this because, of course, if you've got to kill a robot movie, you have to reference Terminator. There's references mm-hmm. to RoboCop in this because, of course, if you've got robot, you want to reference the best robot movies, right? Yeah. And I bet you there's like a bunch I'm not thinking so, of right now. So I'm assuming that means Megan shoots a guy in the dick. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. We don't want to give everything away now. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah. Um, yeah, the writer was on some podcast I listened to. She, yeah, full on was like, yeah, of course I put all these all these references in. Yeah, but see, like I, I went in pretty blind. Like I'd seen the first trailer because it played before other movies, but that's it. Like, and so I wasn't necessarily anticipating RoboCop references. And so when they started happening, and it's <laughs> if you're a fan, you're going to see them right away. It's not subtle, right? No. Um, I don't think they're they would be distracting if you're if you don't pick up on them, like, but it's pretty obvious what yeah. they're doing. And, uh, so I just, uh, it just made me happy the whole time. And then, yeah. But, but was there a hardware reference? That, you'll have to watch it and let me know because I can't always pick up on those the way you can. <laughs> Did she, is, is there 35 endings to the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Like, if I had a criticism of the movie, I guess it would be the fact that not enough people get killed by the robot. I'd like to see some more people get killed. Um, that's about it. That's, that's like my only criticism of the movie. <laughs> the little girl and it's fine, which is what you expect from a child actor. Mm-hmm. The robot. I, I do like the look of the robot, obviously. Like that's like right in the posters and stuff. But I, yeah. it's that weird, almost human. <clears throat> yeah, they did a good job with her because I mean, the little girl that got to play her has dance experience, obviously. Yeah. Um, but they said that once they got on set, like they were amazed how good she was at pretty much like everything they asked her to do. And then they were able to, you know, go in with CGI and um. Uh, do the face and stuff. And I thought that was probably the smartest way to do it. So that's what they did. They CGI the face. It's not some sort of mask. Yeah. I mean, she was wearing like a, like a mask, Okay, but it it was a pretty, like, uh, pretty, it it didn't move or anything. And then they just went in and CGI'd over it. All right. It works. Whatever they did, it works. Like, yeah. Again, like I'm sure if you went in there with a bad attitude and wanted to not like the movie, you could probably find flaws in it. But um, for me, it works like I didn't know what I didn't know was a CGI face or, you know what I mean? So it it, it was fine. Yeah, Um, the the girl that played her, I saw is already already doing conventions. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, those conventions must be fun if you're a kid, right? Like just oh, a bunch yeah. of people coming up and telling you how great you are. Yeah. I remember when uh, the kid that played Michael Myers from the Rob Zombie remake of Halloween. Yeah. He was doing them. And I was talking with somebody who was like sort of working for the convention. And they're like, 
Oh yeah, he's having a great time. Like all these people keep coming up to him, telling how much they like his movie. But he's more interested in like buying some toys from some of the vendors and like playing with them at his table and stuff. Hmm. That's funny. Hopefully, nobody walked up to him and was like yelling at him for remaking a class. Fucking sucks. <laughs> people are dicks. I could see someone doing that to him. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, people should see Megan if you haven't seen it. It's it's good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. What else did I watch? I don't know. What else did you watch? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I watched uh, Deliverance because I hadn't seen that in a while. And because Ned Beatty was in another movie I watched. You ever heard the song like Ned Beatty had the hardest part? No. It's like a funny song about Ned Beatty getting raped. And anyways, that that was stuck in my head for like two days after I watched that other movie that had him in it. So I'm like, all right, better just watch Deliverance and get it over with. (laughs) So I did. (laughs) It's I haven't seen it in a long time. And most of the times that I've seen it have been on TV. Man, it's like a really, really good movie. eh? Deliverance, I guess everyone else Uh, already knows that. But I was a little bit surprised. Well, not everybody, because surprisingly, I've never seen it before. Okay. Uh, I did buy it recently, which was yeah. one of the, uh, like, oh, maybe we'll do it on the show. Yeah. Well, I just bought it just to be ready. That's the other reason you I watched it. Pray and pray good. <laughs> it's so like the famous scene that like, I don't think we're, I'll try not to spoil it for you, Brian, but the famous scene. Uh, like, of, I don't know what it is. Yeah. You know, you know what that is. Right. But I think yeah. the thing is like, because it's become like parodied so much and because some of the dialogue is objectively ridiculous, you know what I mean? Um, the squealing like a pig and stuff. I mean, obviously yeah. you can easily say that that's ridiculous, but it's a really effective scene. Like when you get to it, um, and we'll like, we'll talk about it more like the specifics, but like having there's one friend who's like tied up and helpless while his other friend is having this done to him and they cut back and forth to him. So it's like what's happening in Ned Beatty is happening in Ned Beatty. But then also you've got this John Voight, like with, tied by the neck to a tree being forced to see all this. And he's just like horrified and you're watching them both go through it. And you're just like, God damn, like, like this is, this is something fucking terrible and there's nothing anybody can do about it. And it's, it goes on longer than you would expect. It's darker than you would expect. Um, I guess it was the seventies. So maybe it's not darker than you expect, but <laughs> just the amount of detail and uh, that you see is more than you would anticipate. Again, A-list actors doing things that you wouldn't expect A-list actors to do. Like, and it's just, yeah, and then the rest of the movie plays out the way it does, where it's... I, I won't spoil the specific plot points, but they have a heck of a time making it home from there, even after they get out of the situation. And you really feel the tension in it. And there really is this kind of sense of, like, it's just these four idiots that decided to canoe down a river because they wanted to. And you're like, man, maybe you should have just stayed home. Like, it's... Yeah, there's because there's a line of dialogue early in the movie. There's like a couple of guys that tell them like maybe you guys shouldn't be out here. And the one guy goes, "Why don't we just hop back to town and play golf all weekend?" And, I mean, we, we all we all got the okay from the wives to be away. Like they don't care where we go. And it's like okay, 
one the one guy who's more like the Burt Reynolds character who's more outdoorsy is like, no, 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 we're doing this. Like, I've wanted to go down this river my whole life. This is our last chance. We're doing it. And it results in them taking some, like, unnecessary risks that have consequences. Not that... Yeah. So... It's 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 good. The acting is really good. Burt Reynolds is really good, and I'm not like necessarily a fan of his his acting. Um, he's usually pretty hammy and stuff, which is fine when he's doing comedy stuff. But he plays it serious in this one, and he does a really good job. Hmm. And the the scenes where they're all like like when they get when they're in a tough situation and they have to decide how to move forward and what to do next, the scenes of them are all, are really serious and I, I find they're really well done and like the Ned Beatty character who's sort of the I would say the weakest of the of them the least manly if you will he's a you can just see him like feeling defeated throughout the film for obvious reasons but also because of other things that go on and it, it really works well so I think I was I, I was I was a little surprised how much I enjoyed rewatching that having not seen it probably it's probably been geez must be maybe it's 25 years since last time i sat and watched deliverance Mm. this might be my only my second time actually sitting and watching it and uh, my my biggest turnoff from it is that i grew up in a little rednecky town yeah and i knew three or four young rednecky kids who loved that movie and and they loved that movie because it was a bunch of them city folks getting their comeuppance. Yeah. Which is a weird <laughs> way to watch that movie. That is a weird way to watch that movie, but it's that's yeah. Uh, I mean that that's what, what are you supposed to say to those people? You know, I don't know. They but it made it for me that now I can't watch that movie because I'm like, ugh, gross. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I mean, there's there's always people like that. People who take jokes the wrong way or like movies for the wrong reasons, and you're just like, okay. But I don't know. I don't know what what are you supposed to say? Like, how do you explain to them that they're wrong to be on the side of the rapists? Like, <laughs> like. If you're, if you're picking sides and you're picking the side with the rapist on it, and there's another side with no rapists on it. Maybe consider going over to that side. Yeah, but then there's also people who didn't realize that uh, Homelander from The Boys was a bad guy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, it's just... Like, Dude, there's people... It, it, it happens all the time. People don't understand the story that they're watching. And, like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Just a I've sad been, world we live in. I've just recently found out about this Andrew Tate guy that because he got arrested. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting that somebody got arrested and it's making a lot of news. I wonder who he is. And I started looking into it a little bit and I listened to some podcasts about it. And I'm like, I don't. Like the guy like openly says, like, yeah, I know what you do is you trick women into thinking you care about them that way they'll go on webcam for you for free and that way you make a ton of money isn't that a good business model and people rally around him there's millions of people who follow him and think that's a good plan and i'm like i don't how do you hear that and think it's a good idea what do you want me to do Uh, i don't like you know 
Uh, how do you look you at just, Nazi, how do you look at a Nazi rally and say there's very good people on both sides? I don't know what to tell you. Like it's you just told me way more about that Andrew Tate guy than I than I even knew because after he got arrested, I'm like, oh, he seems like a giant douchebag. Don't need to look him up and feel bad about for whatever he did. I well, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's and it's. And not only that, but he made millions of dollars by selling those ideas to young men and teenagers. Yeah, gross. So, um, so I haven't seen Deliverance, but I have seen the uh, Canadian Counterpoint Rituals. Oh yeah, so I'm a big fan of as well. And pretty different movie because in Rituals they get to have guns to protect themselves with. So yeah, also a lot true. less rape. A lot less raping happens. So. <laughs> I like rituals as well. I've seen that probably more times than I've seen deliverance because it's more fun. Yeah. It's just people getting their boots stolen. Yeah. That's just a good old prank. Do you watch anything else? I believe that's it. Only thing I watched is a movie uh that if you watch it when it's over we'll say yep i was definitely directed by cronenberg oh okay so i went and saw infinity pool that's not playing around here yet oh yeah went and saw it over the weekend uh yeah i mean i went and saw it with two friends and afterwards they're like what the fuck did i just watch and i was like well it's a a Cronenberg movie so that is the correct response Um, so I really enjoyed it I thought it was good Uh, I'm trying to think of how much to even explain yeah keep it pretty spoiler free because I've been trying to avoid I haven't even seen a trailer I've seen posters that's it alright well it's a bunch of rich people at a resort and shady shit happens and it's basically a big takedown of uh, rich people and just how horrible they are mm-hmm. uh, which I'm always on board for um, this one's got Alexander Skarsgård in it who I'm becoming a big fan of after The Northman and other such films uh, Mia Goth, who's got a lot going on with all the like X and Pearl and all those movies lately. Yeah, putting her together with a Cronenberg seems like a good plan. Yeah, she's fucked up and weird in it. That's perfect. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was good. I hope, uh, I hope either one of you see it soon so that we can discuss it more. Because uh, there's, yeah. there's a lot of shit in it that I'm just like, holy shit. I'm looking forward to it. I just haven't had the opportunity. So I was really excited when I saw I was playing in the theater. I was like, fuck yes, I'm going this weekend. Yeah, like I actually searched for it and couldn't find it. I'm searching for it again now. So if I seem distracted, that might mean that I'm found it. (laughs) Oh, well, shit. It starts. The screenings tomorrow. Oh, well, there you go. that, That we're not there. Oh, man. It's not at the theater I like, though. Oh. I don't go get to feel weirded out at a theater I like. Well, if I get to get all weirded out and 
feel gross, I'd you know prefer to do it in the more comfortable seats. That's all. <laughs> or at the art house cinema where it feels more normal. Anyways, I might have thoughts on it next week. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, and I will say there's a movie I want to go see, but I haven't gone to see yet. That's the movie Plane with Gerard Butler. Uh, have you heard about this movie at all? I am aware of it, but I don't. Everything I've been hearing from people is that it's basically like a modern day canon movie. Really? <laughs> like just completely ridiculous. The plot is like, well, that's just stupid, but it's all action filled. So you're like, ah, all right, why not? I can get behind that sometimes. So, yeah. So, yeah, apparently the it's like a commercial pilot who's they have like a prisoner on board who's being transferred along with, you know, regular citizens. And the plane crashes in the wilderness somewhere. And it turns out there's like a bunch of people in the woods that want to like kill some of the surviving passengers, possibly loot the plane or something. I don't know. But it's all right, because Gerard Butler, he's the pilot. He used to be in the military. Knows how to handle himself. But the only other person that can help him, of course, is the prisoner. What? Yeah. What a weird coincidence. <laughs> it was played by the guy that played uh, Luke Cage in the Marvel stuff. Okay. So then apparently it's both of them going to war with a bunch of people who live in the woods or the jungle or whatever the fuck it is. So, I mean, someone's like, yeah, you like canon movies? It's pretty much just a modern canon movie. And I was like, wow, you may have just sold a ticket to that movie. Because that makes me really happy. I had no idea that that was the reputation it had, or else I might have considered seeing it at some point. So that's what I've heard. I haven't seen it. Maybe I'll go this weekend and check it out. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, we're doing another week of Fanuary next week. And we've got Jeff's uh, suggestions out of the way. Thank Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Again, he was one for two. He recommended the platform, which is good. And the other one, which, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I moved on to, tr- to the list that Tracy sent forever ago. Because I'm like, well, if we're taking fan suggestions, we should probably do some movies from Tracy's list. Take credit for this. I told you you had to pick from that list. (laughs) The only reason you did it. Uh, I just say we decided as a collective. Yeah, you'd be reaching out to Eric for suggestions and just screwing Tracy over more if it was up to you. But I (laughs) forced you to make a decision off. Uh, And there's a surprising movie on the list that I've never seen that a lot of people have seen. I was like, well, this seems like the perfect time to knock it off my my to watch list. And that is Galaxy Quest. I don't know if it was Tim Allen or whoever, just somebody turned me off to it. I was also never a big Trekkie, which is sort of what they're yeah. sort of playing off of. But it's got Tony Shaloub. I am a Shaloub head, but it's Star uh, Trek meets the three amigos. So yeah. The three amigos portion of it is what has me excited. That is yeah. that is about as accurate as a description can ever get. <laughs> uh, so we're going to watch that and we're going to team it up with another similar movie that I also have never seen, even though I've owned it for like 10 goddamn years. And that is My Name is Bruce. So excited to watch it again. <laughs> God, I love it. 
Evil Dead is... meets the three amigos. <laughs> Combined into one amigo. It's, it's, it's three amigos week. Yeah. That's what we're doing next week. Un, uh. un amigo. <laughs> so I'm excited. It's, uh, yeah. Essentially four amigos in Bruce Campbell. So, I mean. <laughs> A little Alan Rickman next week. Oh, yeah. I forgot he was in Galaxy Quest. Yeah, next week's going to be a good one. Galaxy, Galaxy Quest is fucking stacked. Yeah. Screw uh, Weaver. I'll give you a spoiler alert right now. I recommend both films. <laughs> I'm already smiling thinking about my name is Bruce. Nice. You know, Bruce Campbell's performance as himself in that movie makes me so happy. <laughs> Uh, he's actually going to weirdly look a lot younger than he looks now. Yeah. Yeah. It's when he was still hiding his age. <laughs> still dying his hair. Yeah. But it's fine. It works. I'm trying to see if my, my DVD is still wrapped. I think it is. Well, Ted Raimi in that movie too. Oh yeah, my DVD still got plastic wrap on it. Get that off of there. Why don't why haven't why wouldn't you watch that? I don't know. That's so it's, good. It's sat on the shelf. Like I'm gonna get to it one day. I just didn't think it would be so long, apparently. Yeah, well, unwrap it right now because I'm doing it right now. Being unwrapped. I have to remind your uh, buddy that you show movies to every once in a while to point at the wrapped ones and go, what about that one? (laughs) 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 Oh, unfortunately. What? Well, I mean, it's, it's, I'll still be able to watch it. This is, looks like this DVD was on top of the box when they got it. So there's a box cutter line right through the front of it. Really? (laughs) So right through the word Bruce, like it goes directly across it, cuts Bruce in half. That might just be the marketing for the film. Maybe. Still got the little, little uh, sticker tab on the top of it. Off too. There's a patron yes. saint of bean curd in that movie. <laughs> There's a lot of racism. A lot of racism in that movie too. Or you'd be prepared for that. <laughs> okay. I guess that's good to know. So weirdly, I like anti-Chinese racism, and I think there's some anti-Italian racism for no reason. Uh, a friend of mine just watched that movie. Well, Body I Slam. would say no reason. A friend of mine just watched that movie Body Slam that has Roddy Piper in it. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's Billy Barty screaming uh, pejoratives through the whole movie. Well, I did warn him because I had heard you say that before. And so he's like, yeah, I just got this on Blu-ray. Can we check it out? I'm like, well, be warned as a trigger warning. Apparently, Billy Barty says a whole bunch of horrible shit. He's like, oh, I was excited at Billy Barty. Now, now I don't know how to feel. And yeah, he, he did say, yeah, after he watched it, he's like, well, damn it. The Billy Barty stuff did upset me. Well... I mean, times change. What can you do? Well, it's just it's just terrible that that's part of Billy Barty's legacy because he is such a like uh, 
magical, lovable character actor. And just to have that one character just <laughs> screaming slurs about gay people through an entire movie. It's like, oh, man. I haven't seen the movie, so I'm not sure if the slurs are plot relevant or not. I don't want to. They maybe, are maybe not. It's, maybe it's important for the messaging of the film. <laughs> it's, it's one of those ones I kind of want to watch for the show because it's got like it's got a lot of good things. It's got Roddy Piper and uh, Lou Alcabano's in it and it's kind of about the rock and wrestling craze and all that stuff. But but at the same time, not sensitive. Not sensitive to the <laughs> LGBTQ community. Well, this My Name is Bruce DVD has a mini My Name is Bruce comic inside of it. Well, that's fun. Exciting. Uh, it's got a feature on commentary, Bruce Campbell. Got a documentary, Heart of Darkness, The Making of My Name is Bruce. I think I watched that at one point. I think I definitely watched it with the commentary track at one point. Uh, featurettes, Bruce on Beyond Inside the Cave, The Making of Cave Alien 2. Is that a movie within the movie? Yeah. Okay. Kilf's, Kiff's Corner. Awkward Moments with Kiff, Lovebirds, The Hard Truth and News from Hollywood, Real Bruce Campbell. Ooh, a Cave Alien 2 trailer. <laughs> <laughs> they went all out. It's... <sighs> nice. All right. Well, I'm excited, excited to watch that again. I haven't seen that probably since we covered it on the last Horrorcast. So. Yeah. Should be fun. What other Three Amigos movies could we do? Could we do a Three Amigos month? I mean, we could do the Three Amigos if we're going to call it Three Amigos month. <laughs> At some point, we got to do Three Amigos, right? Yeah, of course. Just, it's going to be real loosey-goosey by the end of the month. We're just like, it has three main characters. That's pretty close. <laughs> just that one guy calls the other guy Amigo in it at one point. <laughs> We'll work yeah. on it. Yeah, was it was it Munchies where he called him Amigo? Sure, there have been a number of movies where someone called someone else Amigo. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.